When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. And they went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. In the end of this church service, something very important will happen. I start now to ask your attention for that. In the end of this service, you will get the blessing. So on behalf of God, the creator of the universe and of Jesus, our Lord, I will give you the blessing. And that's a very important moment because, well, this is not just a religious way for the pastor to say, enjoy your week and have a nice week. No, no. Um, the blessing in the end of this service coheres with mission. So I will send you out. Every one of you, I will send you out in the end of this service. Now, for what will you be sent out? Well, First, to get to know Jesus more. If you don't know Jesus, to get to know him. If you don't know God, to get to know him. But even if you think, I know who he is. I know that he is the Christ. Yeah, you know that Willem Alexander is the king of the Netherlands. And you know that Elizabeth is the queen of England. But do you, can you say that you know them? Well, you know something about them. But do you know them? Now, I ask you, do you know God? Do you know him? Do you know Jesus? You know something about him, but that's not enough. Are you at peace with him? Does he know you? So, first reason you will be sent out is seek the Lord. That he may know you and that you may know him. That's the first reason. And don't think too easily that you already know him. Get to know him deeper. And the second reason I'll send you out for is when you have begun to know him, you will be sent out 
to make him known. Yeah, that's the second reason you always send out. And no, no, many of you won't be asked then to change your studies, leave your job to become a missionary. Okay, be open to that. The Lord might call you for that. But we will just be sent to the places where we already were to connect to others and show in our deeds and with our words that we know a Savior. That is what we will be sent out for. That's our mission. Today's sermon will be on mission. And for mission, we have to connect to others. Now, I remember a sermon of Brother Bob, whereas he mentioned that many of us here in Delft are a bit introvert. So to connect to others is, for many of us, not the most favorite thing. Now, um, I won't force you, when you are an introvert, to try to become an extrovert. I, I don't think that would work. Neither do I think that that is the Lord's intention. So some of us are only happy when they continually make contact with many others. Others have enough with just a few deeper contacts. Now, I don't think you should try to change that. But for all of us, it is true that however we need connections with other people to get to know God and to know Jesus better, you really need other Christians. And to make the Lord known, if the Lord, if the Lord has given you knowledge of him, yeah, you need to connect to others to share that. And to make it a bit more difficult, you need to connect to people close to you and people who are like you. Very good. Perhaps very often you will be connected to people who are like you. But from time to time, the Lord will also ask us, challenge us, to connect to people who are really unlike you. In thought, in background, cultural so we live in a polarized world. There are many differences between people. Sometimes we all live in our own bubble. But the Lord challenges us to make a connection to people who are unlike us, outside our bubbles. So are you open to that? Perhaps that will not always be easy. So therefore we need the Lord's blessing. So like soldiers are sent out from the base camp to accomplish something, to go on a mission, we will also be sent out and our Lord will say, I will be with you. Now let's have a look at our passage of today and I will focus today on verses 51 till 56. If you have your Bible, then please have a look with me at verses 51 till 56 of Luke 9. And then I'll try to show you how this passage has to do with missions and has also to do with an objection that we might feel if, if Pastor Jos tells you, you must also make connections with people who are really different from you, then you might think, I don't think that would work. Sometimes it won't work. Yeah, indeed. In this passage we see they make a connection, but it didn't work. And then how should we deal with that? So 
our passage. Let me divide it into three parts. Verses 51 and 52, we see mission. We see the mission of Jesus and we see the mission of the disciples of Jesus. That's the first point, mission. Then in verse 53, we see see the result of the mission. Jesus sent some messengers to the Samaritans. The result was not very good. They were not welcome. So that's the result of the mission, verse 53. And then verses 54 till 56, we will see how to respond on this awkward result. Verse 54, we see the response of James and John. And then we hear after that Jesus, he says, no, don't respond in this way. But then we learn from Jesus how we should respond to a closed door, to a rejection. So let's look into more detail in, uh, at this passage. Verse 51, when the days drew near for him, that is for Jesus, to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. When the days drew near, literally it says, uh, when the days were fulfilled. Pay attention, who is Jesus? He is the Savior. He is the Lord. He has been sent by God into this world to become a human being. The Son of God became man, came in the flesh. Why? For a mission to to save. We need salvation because our Creator made us. We rebelled against God. We lost contact. And if we go on in this way, we will be lost forever. When we die, when we stand before the sovereign judge of the universe, we won't make it. We will perish. And God doesn't want us to perish, so he sent his son to save. That's the mission of Jesus. And here in chapter 9, verse 51, Jesus realizes The time is running out. The days drew near, were fulfilled that he would be taken up. Taken up, that really refers to his ascension. So if you compare this to soldiers, they left the base camp to accomplish a certain goal in the land of the enemy. And when they have accomplished it, then they have to be there and there. And then the helicopter will come and will take them up and take them back. Well, Jesus knows he will be taken back. He was born with a mission. In the first chapters of Luke's gospel, you read that the Savior is arrived in this world, the arrival of the Savior. Then, in the following chapters, from chapter 4 and onwards, you see that the Savior accomplishes his first target, his first goal, He manifests himself. So he gathers people around him. They must get to know him. They must get to know who he is. So if you would have seen Jesus, I don't know how you imagine Jesus would look, what he would look like, long hair, white beard, a light around his head. Well, forget about it. So if you would have seen Jesus, you would not have seen something very special at all. However, in following Jesus, you would get to know and get to see who he is. His first aim was that those who followed him would see and would understand who he is. And this goes on until chapter 9, verse 
20, Jesus has taken his disciples with him a long time. Then he asks, who do the people say that I am? And they give some answers, close to a good answer, but not really the right answer. And then he asks, who do you say that I am? And then Peter says, you are the Christ of God. You are the Messiah. You are the Savior. Very good, Peter. First target accomplished because some now really have understood, really have seen who Jesus is. And then Jesus takes James and John and Peter on the mountain and there they are eyewitnesses of his glory. There they really see that he is the son of God. They are so impressed by that that later on in their letters they testify of that. For instance, in Second Peter, letter of Second Peter, Peter says, we did not um, follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the coming of our Lord, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We have seen it. We are eyewitnesses. Same for John, First John. He says, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Eyewitnesses. So first target of the Lord is that he makes known through his words and deeds who he is. He is the true prophet, the true priest, the true king. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior and Lord. Then is the whole mission accomplished? No, far from. If they know that the Savior has come, the second target is that his disciples must come to know, must come to understand what he has come for, what his mission is. And the next part, say from chapter 9, verse 51 and onwards, when Jesus goes to Jerusalem, where he will bring salvation, so where he will die on a cross to forgive our sins, where he will be buried in the grave, where he will rise from the dead, before he does that, On the way to Jerusalem, he will make clear what he has come for, what his mission is all about. So that's the the next target, and it begins here. So from the mountain onwards, the disciples will have to get to know what he has come for. They must learn about Jesus' mission and about their own mission. So you see from chapter 9 and onwards that Jesus also begins to send his disciples. They begin to exercise what later on in the book of Acts they also will practice. That those who know the Savior will make him and his kingdom known. So this also applies to us. Now, when Jesus begins to do that, begins to... uh, to send them out, to exercise how you do that. And when Jesus um, begins to teach about what he is sent for, we see that the disciples make many mistakes. So as they did when they had to come to know who Jesus is, they made many mistakes. It took very long before they saw it. Now again, when it's all about mission, they make many mistakes. So if you look at chapter 9, when they're on the mountain... There it already begins. Um, Peter, James, and John, they love it to be there with Jesus. They think, wow, how wonderful to be here to see his glory. Let us stay here forever. Let us make three tents. No, says Jesus, you don't understand what this is all for. You are eyewitnesses so that you can be sent. 
So um, Peter did not know what he, uh, what he said, first mistake. And then if you read on, then they come down from the mountain. Um, people have asked help to Jesus' disciples for a son with a demon. But the disciples, rather than that they impress the demon and say, go away, they are impressed by this demon. They say, oh, we don't know what to do about this. So a mistake Again, that will come back in the future many times that disciples are impressed by all the problems rather than that they stand in faith. And so it goes on and on. So Jesus tells them that the mission will be accomplished uh, with a lot of suffering. Well, they don't pay attention. They don't hear, whereas God had said from heaven, hear him, listen to him. Think of the sermon last week of Brother Bob. Then they begin to quarrel about the question, who is the greatest? Who is the greatest missionary? And Jesus teaches them, the mission is not about being the greatest, but uh, to pay attention to those who are great in God's eyes, for instance, the children. Then again, verses 49 and 50, um, they see that somebody is doing the mission without, so to say, being of their denomination. And they say, this is a problem. Well, Jesus says, come on, this is not the real kind of thing to bother about. And then comes our passage, again, a mistake. When the Samaritans don't welcome Jesus, uh, James and John ask, will we say that fire comes down from heaven? No, no, (laughs) James and John, completely wrong. This is not what the mission is about. So you see, they have a lot to learn about mission. And then this whole part from this passage onwards will be teaching more about what is the mission of Jesus about. And I think that passage comes to an end somewhere in chapter 19. Then we have learned a lot about missions. Then Jesus has called Zacchaeus to come out of the tree. And then Jesus summarizes what his mission is all about. He says in chapter 19 verse 9, Jesus said to Zacchaeus, Today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. So what is the coming of the Savior all for and all about? It is to seek and to save the lost. That is what the main lesson is in all these chapters. So Jesus knows time is running out He will travel to Jerusalem. There it will happen. He will not be welcomed there. He will be crucified there. But it has to be done to bring salvation to us, to bring forgiveness and newness of life. And then he will be taken up in heaven. He will be seated at the right hand of God. Now verse 52. We have seen now the mission of Jesus. Now we see the mission of the disciples. He sent messengers ahead of him. Literally it says he sends messengers, he sent messengers before his face. And this is the style of God. This is the way God works, always. So one day the Lord Jesus will appear in glory. But that shouldn't be all of a sudden for all the peoples of the world. Before he comes he sends messengers before his face. This is what mission is about. And God has always done so. Remember Sodom, a very wicked city. God would come there. God would judge. 
because the sins of this city were crying to the heavens for righteousness, for, for, uh, for, for, for justice to be done. But before God comes, before the Lord comes, he sends messengers. Two angels come there and they will save Lot and his family. Or remember Israel in Egypt. A lot of injustice happening there. The Pharaoh suppressing the people of Israel. They cry out to God. God hears. God will come with judgment. But before he comes, he sends messengers. Moses, Aaron. And Israel, when it sinned and lost its contact with God, God sent messengers. Remember, Elijah, Elisha. So this is how God always works. And here, you see it, that Jesus sends messengers, some disciples, ahead of him to a village of the Samaritans. Now, what does this mean? Well, Jesus will travel to Jerusalem from Galilee. In Galilee, he has accomplished his first mission to make known that he is the Christ. Now he can go to Jerusalem. And the shortest way to come in Jerusalem is to travel through Samaria. However, though this is the shortest way, most of the Jews would never do this, would never travel through Samaria. Why not? Because the Samaritans, though they had common roots with the Jews... Somewhere in the history, got disconnected from the people of the Jews. And as things go, when you get disconnected, then in the course of the time, they became polarized. They hated one another. Samaritans and Jews, they really disliked one another. So most of the times, people wouldn't travel through Samaria. They would take the longer way around Samaria to get at Jerusalem. But Jesus wouldn't do that. He would travel straight through Samaria. Is that because he wants to be in Jerusalem in time? Probably. But it is also a very deliberate choice because these disconnected Samaritans must also be connected to God. They also need salvation. They must also be asked for them. If they wouldn't connect to them, how would they know about the Savior? So therefore Jesus sends some disciples ahead of him. Now pay attention before Jesus has sent out messengers to preach. But this preaching took place in the Jewish cities, in the cities where people had a Bible and where it made sense to preach. Now when Jesus sends messengers ahead of him to the Samaritans, he doesn't send them so much to preach. He just sends them um, to prepare that to, to ask in this village, please, uh, uh, could you have some bed for us and a table with some food? So the master, the savior will arrive soon and they must be very vulnerable. They must just ask, can, can we stay in your village? That's what they are sent for. By the way, there is a lesson here. So perhaps we want to share our knowledge about God, about Jesus. But it doesn't make much sense to preach before you first have connected to someone. And we learn here and in the ongoing passage that to connect works best if you are vulnerable. I think this lesson has often been forgotten in missions. So often missions went with, okay, let's send a missionary, let's give him a lot of money, that he is rich, that he can build hospitals and uh, is a very powerful person. But perhaps missions works better if you're vulnerable. 
Also in your daily life, perhaps sometimes it's better to ask, can you help me? And in this way to make a connection than to say, I can help you. I, I, I am very willing to help you. Okay. So now we have learned a lot about mission. The mission of Jesus and the mission of the disciples. So connected to yourself, we are also sent sometimes to people we already know and let something be seen in us and through us that we know Jesus. But we are also sent to make connection to people who are unlike us. Now we quickly move on to the second point, the result of this mission, verse 53. But the people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. So the mission doesn't work. They knock on the door of the village. They ask, are we welcome? But they're not welcome. Now, wouldn't the disciples have predicted this already? Couldn't they have expected this? Well, probably they could. On the other hand, they could have learned that Jesus was different. Jesus was very critical of his own people. That, and, and he was very open to outsiders. So Samaritans might have learned about this. In John 4, we read about Jesus also visiting a place of the Samaritans. So, okay, you could have expected this, but there was a chance that the Samaritans could have been open to welcome them. However, they are not, and the reason is that Jesus is traveling towards Jerusalem. Now, the division line between Samaritans and Jews came to a climax into the question, um, what is the right place to worship God? Is it Jerusalem, as the Jews say, or is it, the Samaritans said, it's Mount Gerizim, that that is the right mountain to worship. And now they learn that Jesus says, it's Jerusalem. They say, yeah, you see, he's just like the other Jews. He's not welcome here. Very sad. By the way, then it is a question, do these people, these Samaritans, really reject Jesus? Sometimes we can have our conclusion about people that we think they reject Jesus. But the question is, do these Samaritans really reject Jesus? Do they really know who he is? Let's move on. Responses, verses 54 till 56. How should you respond on this? John and James are so angry with this. They've just seen that he is their Lord, that he is the Savior, but also the Lord. And now they refuse him to, 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 to be admitted to their city. They're so angry. However, although you might not be inclined to, to do the same as James and John, there is something we can learn from them. They are wondering, what does our master try to teach us? What, what, is, what does he want us to understand? So they think back of their Bibles. They think, can we make sense of what happens here? And they are reminded of the story of Elijah. You find it in 2 Kings 1. That took place in the same region, Samaria. There was a, a king who was ill. And he didn't want to look to Jerusalem and Judea for his healing. He looked to his own idols. And he sent soldiers to arrest Elijah. And then Elijah said, um, if I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven. So James and John think, 
okay, is this what Jesus wants to teach us? We're going on mission. Sometimes people will be saved. Other times we may ask, let fire come down, like on Sodom. And then, uh, is this what he wants us to practice? Well, no, uh, James and John, this is not what Jesus wants to teach you. However, they may have also had in mind what John the Baptist had said. You remember? John the Baptist announced Jesus as the one who would baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. He said his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and go and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now, they are completely mistaken. And Jesus rebukes them. He says, in a polarized world, indeed, sometimes you may feel very angry with people who, who are very different from you. You may feel very angry, but no, don't look for the judgment to come. Don't pray for the judgment to come. They must learn that the Son of Man has not come yet to judge, but to save, to seek and save the lost. This was the reason they were sent to the Samaritans. Just knock on the door. Possibly they'll open the door and then we can share the gospel. Here we can't, but then don't grow angry. Imagine, Jesus must have thought, imagine that I would have had this attitude towards you every time you didn't welcome me, understand me, that then where would you have been? So this is a point for us too. Remember how patient God has been with us. So many times we didn't see, we didn't welcome. So when we learn lessons about missions and find an, a closed door, it is as if Jesus says here, welcome in my world. Welcome in my world. This is what happened to Jesus even from his birth and onwards. He was laid in a manger because there was no place in the inn. So, does this mean that there is no condemnation and no fire of judgment at all? Well, there is. There is a day of judgment. But if you read on in chapter 10, you will see that the judgment comes most severely to those places and to those people who have heard many times who Jesus is and have hardened their hearts. So if you read on, then Jesus says, Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, uh, woe to you, uh, Capernaum. These places that have heard and seen him so much, so long, and have hardened their hearts. But first, a long time of exposure to the gospel is, is needed. So how to respond on rejection? Don't grow angry, but just as Jesus says in uh, verse uh, 56, they went on to another village. If the door doesn't go open when you knock on the door, don't pay too much attention, just move on. That is what Jesus and his disciples do, even though they run the risk that in the next village the door will be closed again and that they will have to sleep outside without uh, food. So remember these words about the foxes and the birds and the Son of Man who has nowhere to lay his head. In the end of this service, we will, will be sent on a mission. First, foremost, get to know God, get to know Jesus, and get to know him better and better and more and more. 
If you know his love, his patience, his willingness to die for you, to bear judgment, to let the fire of judgment come upon him, that you might be, might be saved, that you might get his spirit, then you will grow willing to share the knowledge of him with others, to be sent on a mission. But be aware that your mission, your connecting to others, will many, many, many times seem to result into not so much. Then you can ask, well, if it doesn't result into anything, why should I go on? And I'm afraid often we as Christians give up. We think, I've tried, it didn't work, so let's stop it. I keep it for myself. I won't make connections to others. I've never seen people come to faith, so I gave up about it. But we shouldn't give up too easily. For it was meaningful that they went to this Samaritan village. Later on, in the second volume of Dr. Luke, you will see that there is fruit on the mission. Jesus promised his disciples that they would be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria. And if you read on in the book of Acts, in chapter 8, you see that Philip goes to the Samaritans, he brings the gospel, and finally the door opens, and there is a great harvest. Many come to faith in the Lord Jesus. And then, that, that's amazing, in chapter 8, verse 14 in, in, in the book of Acts, they sent Peter and John to pray for them, to receive the Holy Spirit. So one day John would come back here, not, not to pray for fire of judgment to come down, but to pray for the fire of the Holy Spirit. And they would be connected. They would be Christians together, the Christian family consisting then of Jews and of Samaritans. So let's finish here. The end of the service comes near. We will get a bless blessing this blessing coheres with the mission that our Lord has for us. We may be extroverts, we may be introverts, but we need to connect to others, to connect to other Christians, to, to grow in our knowledge of God and of the Savior, to connect to other Christians, to build them up and make them grow in the knowledge of the Lord, but also to connect to people completely unlike us, living outside of the kingdom, knock on many doors, and even when we find the door closed, to go on with prayer, with trying, because the Lord will come back. He has come to seek and save the lost, and may the Lord transform us in his image. Amen. Now remember that our Lord Jesus who has brought salvation through his death and resurrection and has ascended into the heavens, has said to us, I am with you all the days. He is the one who sends us and receive now his blessing. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship and the communion with the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.